0: Good evening, everybody, um, online and in person here. Thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you with us. Um, Tonight's reading is from Luke 23. Uh, It's from verses 26 to 43. It's the crucifixion. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it. Behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and, a woman, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chris. Um,
1: Thanks for reading God's word to us this evening. And for those of you um, that are joining us, I would encourage you to continue to keep your Bibles open, because um, I will be going through this passage of Scripture here, um, and I'll ask before I do uh, ask God's word, a blessing upon his word, I'll just ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again that we can come and look into your word. Your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so this evening Lord we pray and ask God that you will speak to us through the power of your spirit because we know God that it's not by might nor by power but by your spirit that you make known your ways God that you reveal yourself to us and through your word this evening God that you will make yourself known to us wherever we are wherever your people are scattered God whether they're listening on Facebook or in YouTube or even those that are here this evening at the sound of my voice God I pray that your word and that your spirit will be revealed to them. In Jesus' name, amen. This Sunday is uh, Palm Sunday, and many churches, as you know, are reflecting on Jesus' uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And many would share this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 21, verse 8 through 11, where when Jesus was When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and many of us know the passage of Scripture well, and most of the churches today will be reading it. And I want to read that to you as well. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And this is Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And um, they were just singing praise and worshiping him. Hosanna and welcoming him him in, and then just the next week, the next Sunday, they will crucify him. And one week, one Sunday, they were, they were welcoming him, and then by the end of the week, on, uh, on Friday, he was crucified, and then on Sunday, he rose from the dead. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew this is what was going to happen to him. Before entering into Jerusalem, three times In the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, Jesus foretells of his arrest, trial, his persecution, and crucifixion. All of what they're going to do to him. Jesus has already told them for three times this is what they're going to do. He knew exactly what the religious leaders and the Roman governors would do to him. And we see that in the six passages between Matthew and Mark. But I want to read just Mark chapter 10, verse 32, because it, it, it is right after Peter's uh, confession to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then uh, Jesus would say this to them. And in verse 33, it says here in Mark chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, it says, saying, See, we are going up here. Jesus says, See, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, which he speaketh about himself, Will be delivered over to the chief priests, which are the religious leaders, and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, which are the religious leaders, and deliver him over to the Gentiles, which are the Roman. And they will mock him and spit on him and flogged him and killed him. This is Jesus' word to his disciples long before entering into Jerusalem, he told them this is what is going to happen. And Isaiah also prophesied 700 years before that this is what's going to happen. And then then it says, after three days, he will rise again. And we're going to hear of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ next Sunday. But Jesus has already predicted what they were going to do to him. This was not man's doing because they chose to do this. This is because of God ordained this to happen. Long before this ever took place, Jesus already prophesied. Um, so um, just to give us a sense of what, will, what the week ahead look like for Jesus from the time he entered into Jerusalem, which is a day like today, Palm Sunday. The people are work, welcoming him. Now I wanted to, to just share with you what that week looks like, just to give you a, good, a little bit of a sense as to what that is. So Sunday, Palm Sunday, everybody is cheering. Everybody is welcoming him. Then on Monday, Jesus went into the temple, and then he cleansed the temple. He, uh, he, he chased out the, the, the money changers and, the, and those that were there, and he, and he chased them out. And he says that you, they are making his father's house a den of thieves. And then on Tuesday, the Sanhedrin, or the religious leaders, challenged Jesus' authority. After which, after they challenged him, he left there and he went to Mary and Martha's house. And he was anointed by Mary with that expensive Perfume, and you, you, you all know that story. So that was on the Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, Judas bargained with the Jewish rulers in betraying him. Judas went to the religious leaders and he bargained uh, for 32, um, uh, I think, what is it, shillings uh, to, to deny Jesus. And then on Thursday, Jesus ate the Passover, which is what we did today. Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples. He broke bread. And then after that, after he broke bread and he, he did the whole, you know, Lord's Supper thing with them. The night, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and then he prayed for his disciples. And then he asked them, can you now watch with me for just one hour? So as you can see, everything is just leading up. Then after that, on Thursday night, which is into to Friday morning, early morning after his prayers, guess what? They all came, and guess what? They arrested Jesus. That was at 1 o'clock. And um, Judas betrayed him. They, they came and arrested him. Then in less than six hours, he had three trials at the hands of the religious leaders, which is exactly what Jesus prophesied. And then Peter would deny him right in the morning between, I think it's, don't quote me, but between two and three o'clock, during the time of the religious leaders um, trialing Jesus, Peter would deny him three times. Jesus said to Peter, that you will deny me three times. And so they cock crow three times, reminding Peter that this is what the Lord says. So all of that is happening on Friday morning. They arrest him. Judas, sorry, Judas betray him. They arrest him. Then less than three, um, six hours, he went through three trials and then Peter denied him. And then another three trials after Peter denied him by the hands of the Roman governors, which what Jesus prophesied. So Jesus already had six trials that morning before sunrise. And, and, and within the span of 15 hours from the time he got um, arrested to that, it, it, by the time in the afternoon, I think, um, of his betrayal, his arrest, he was tried he was denied, he was flogged, he was mocked, he was scoffed at, and then he was crucified. And on Friday, he died and was buried. And and, um, so as you can see, Friday where everything took place, then on Saturday, on Saturday, which was the Sabbath, they did nothing. The woman went and they were, um, they rested and everyone rested. And then on Sunday, was the Resurrection Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead. So from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday is known as the Passion, Passion Week, or some churches would call it the Holy Week. Um, some people take time out this week to reflect on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why you, they call it Holy Week, because they, they also w- uh, remember the, what Jesus went through. Now, I would like to encourage you to spend some time this week as you, you know, you have your daily devotions. Um, to read Luke chapter 23 and 24 if you wanted to see what, what, what has taken place during this time here um, of this week here and then the resurrection. So that's just a word of encouragement to each and every one of us. Even though today is Palm Sunday, um, you know, we are, we are going to look at the actual events surrounding Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. Last week, Abigail did a great job in giving us all of what took place on Friday morning. Now, I'm going to move a little away from what Abigail spoke about. I'm going to to do a continuation from all the the beating and the mocking and everything that he experienced at the hands of the Roman soldiers. And now... This is the point where they are trying to speed things up. So they've already already sentenced him to death. He's already been beaten. And now they're giving him his cross to go to Calvary. They're giving him his cross to go. And that is the passage that we read here this afternoon. Now I'm going to give you... I'm going to walk you through some of the events and some of the key things that took place that day. Now, look, look at me in Luke chapter 23, verse 26, because I'm going to read the verse and then I'm going to explain uh, what is happening here. In verse 23, and uh, chapter 23 and verse 26, this. And as they led him away, that is from the beating and all the stuff that you heard last week, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. Now, who was Simon of Cyrene? Now, I'm not going to go down too much in detail. Simon of Cyrene, um, a passerby, you know, just like you and me, if we were watching the, rest, the, 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 the procession that morning, we're going to be joining in the crowd, wondering what to happen. Um, they, and here they, the Roman soldiers just decide, hey, guy, come here. And they grabbed Simon of Cyrene and, and, and asked him to, to take the cross. Um, just, you know, command him to take the cross. The, the scripture said they laid on him. That means he had no choice. They just laid on him um, the, the, the cross. Now, the cross is not like what you see at the back there. It's not what Simon of Cyrene was carrying. It's not what Jesus was carrying. It was never a, a full cross. What they were cro- carrying was the cross beam. Because it was very heavy and many times people would think that Jesus is pulling that entire cross. It's not the entire cross. It's just the cross beam that they lay on the shoulder. Because the cross beam gets hooked up to the, to the actual post when they get to, to the place of crucifixion. So always keep that in mind. And that is what they laid on Simon of Cyrene. Um, the gospel writers then mentioned this um, three gospel writers mentioned this exact scene Matthew, Mark, and Luke mentioned this exact scene that all three of them accounted that this is what happened, this is what took place. Now, now Simon was seized, like I said, and that cross piece was placed on him, or, or laid on him. You see, what have, why that took place was because Jesus was not able to carry the cross. He was not able to carry the cross piece of the, of the cross to the crucifixion site. He collapsed on his way, and this was due to all the beating, like you heard last week, um, uh, all the beating that he underwent and, and, uh, at the hands of the Roman soldier, and as, and as a result of the, of the beating, as you heard many times over last week, and the loss of blood, Jesus' um, death was just within an hour, um, when, when you compare Jesus' death to a, someone who was crucified on a cross, they take three days to die because it, it was definitely a torment for that person hanging on a cross. Jesus did not take that long. Um, but Jesus died on that same day um, as part of, you know, the plan of God. Um, so the weakness of, of Jesus... Now, I want to touch on this this evening here because it, it is a clear indication... That the weakness of Jesus, him not being able to carry his cross, him loss of blood and the beating and, and, and the tiredness, and he was ready to give up. This was a clear indication of his humanity. Some people believe that he was the son of God, he was incarnate, and because he was God, he could have carried that cross. No, no, in his humanity, in his humanity, he was both equal, he was both equal man, and equal God. Yet, yet, the Bible says, in his humanity, he was able to identify himself like each and every one of us. Because if he didn't, how would he have represented us? But the Bible says he, 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 he represented us, he became one of us, yet without sin. Now, let me read Hebrew chapter 14 and verse 15 to you. Uh, the, the writer of the Hebrew says, For we, brothers and sisters, we do not have a high priest, who is unable, which is Jesus, a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. We do have someone who can, who knows when you're hurt, who knows when you're in pain, because he suffered pain, he suffered hurt, he suffered shame, yet without sin. Hear what the writer to the Hebrews say. But one who is in every respect, every respect has been tempted as we are. Excuse me yet yet without sin all of what you and I can go through today all of what we will ever go through on the face of this earth Jesus has already experienced that and that's what the writer of the Hebrews say yet without sin he bore our sin on a cross and the reason why Jesus was the this is the reason why Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin because he could carry those pain for us as well then Luke 23 and verse 27 says and there followed him a great multitude so they put the crossbeam um, on Simon of Cyrene the procession is going on And then a great multitude of people, it says, and there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning. Now, I I would like you to pay attention to these passages here today because a lot of time people read it and forget it or don't pay attention to it. But it's important for us to understand. Multitude of people, of women who were mourning and lamenting for Jesus. But turning to them, Jesus said, now look into, listen to the words of Jesus. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. This is Jesus' word as he was going to the cross. Now Luke is the only gospel writer who gives us this account and this detail here. And Jesus turned to to the woman that were mourning and lamenting. And he called them and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will bargain, begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? How many people have read this here and passed it, but never paid attention to the words of Jesus as he was going to the cross? How many times we have read our Bible and read the gospel, but we have never paid attention to these words? This was a prophecy that Jesus made on that day as he was going to the cross. Now, it says a great multitude of people followed him. Now, on Friday morning, Friday morning, people learn that Jesus was arrested because early morning at 1 o'clock, people were sleeping. Not everybody knew that Jesus was arrested. It's only when it, when it was bright and day and he was ready to go to the cross, then most of the crowds by then already heard that Jesus was arrested and he's going to go to the cross. So that's the building up of the crowd. That's the accumulation of the crowd just coming and everybody is coming. And word started to spread. Which is why the gospel writer gave us such, a, 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 such account of this great multitude. Because the word got out. And amid this multitude of people, there was a group of women who were mourning and who were lamenting. Now, it is unlikely that these women were not disciples of Jesus. Some some commentators believe that these women were professional mourners because they were doing this for anyone that was going to be crucified on a capital punishment. They were there to mourn and to lament. They do this for Jewish funerals. And they were expected to do the same for a high-profile execution like the one that is happening here that morning. So they're mourning, they're, they're mourning, and they're, and they're lamenting. And Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them not to weep for him. Meaning that if they truly understood the, the prophecies concerning his death, they would weep for themselves and their children. He said to them, blessed are the barren. Blessed are the barren and the womb that will never bore and the breast that will never nurse. Jesus was not pronouncing a curse on them, but it was a prophetic word that he was given to them that there is going to come a day when these same women are going to wish and pray to God that they had never had a child. You see, barrenness to a Jewish woman was a curse, but Jesus was not cursing them. Jesus was giving a prophetic word. And Jesus was telling them that yes... Children are a blessing. The Bible said that children are a blessing. But here Jesus is telling them there's coming a day when they're going to regret and they're going to cry and they're going to wish and pray to God that they never had a child. Now, where did, where did this prophecy fulfill? And you see, the woman may have thought Jesus was mad, and everybody said, well, you know, the, the amount of beating that he went through and the, all the loss of blood, he was maybe hallucinating or doing some sort of nonsense. But no, this was very prophetic. Jesus gave them such a prophetic warning. And Jesus' prophecy was going to be fulfilled in A.D. 70, 50 years after, half a century after. During the destruction of Jerusalem by the hands of the Roman governor Titus. When they they siege Jerusalem, when they destroyed Jerusalem, it would mark the first Jewish holocaust. And the siege lasted for five months and it was terrible and horrific time for the Jewish people. And it, says that, and it said that during that time, the women were crying and wailing and some of them were eating. The same thing that Jesus said that they wished their child will never be born. They were taking their children and having meals with them. They were eating their own children during that time. Read the history of, of the destruction of Jerusalem. The prophecy came to fulfill 50 years after Jesus spoke about it. Not only was Jesus said that, that that will come to pass, brothers and sisters. But we know each and every one of us know that one day the same will come. Judgment will come. God will judge the living and the dead. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Hear what it says. Behold, he is coming. With the clouds, who is coming with the clouds? Jesus. And every eye will see him. Every eye will behold him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail at the account of him, even so. Amen. But then look at what Paul says in Second Thessalonians 1. Hear what he says. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance, Hear what it says, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. This is not my words. This is the words of the Apostle Paul that those who do not confess and accept Jesus Christ as Lord, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And many people do not like when you talk about the judgment of God. And people, it says, God will, go, go, this, this loving and, and merciful and just God. No, one day God will judge the living and the dead, the Bible says. And let us look at verse 31, which is a, a proverbial saying from the mouth of Jesus. And many times people miss these little things. Or a little statement recorded by the gospel writers. And here Luke gives us an account. Look at verse 31. Look at what Jesus says. For if they do these things when the wood is green. When the wood is green. What will happen when it is dry? Even what Jesus was saying very prophetically. So that you and I can understand today. What Jesus prophesied to the woman. 50 years after it took place. What Jesus is saying to them here that the wood is green and, there is, and, and uh, what will it happen when it is dry? Jesus is simply saying that he, the green wood, is an innocent lamb of God who was, who was innocent before man. And yet they, 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 they are willing to crucify him. Yet they are willing to put him on a cross. Yet they are rejecting him and put him to death. He was the unjust one. He was the just one. What about, what what will happen to the Jewish leaders and those who are, and the religious body? What would happen to everyone? People who are dead in their trespasses and sin. Jesus says, I am innocent. I am the innocent one. Green. And they're going to put me on a cross. What are they going to do with you who are dead in your trespasses and sin? You who are not like me, not innocent, but guilty. Seventy years after Jerusalem understood what, I hope that they understood what what that prophecy meant. Now, the church of Jesus Christ also knew what that meant. Over the years, the first 300 years after the death of Christ, not only 50 years not only Jerusalem was, destruct, was destroyed, but 300 years after the death of Christ, the church was persecuted by the Romans, by the hands of the Romans. 129 years the church faced persecution, severe persecution. 120 20 years out of those 300 years, it, they, they, tolerate, they, they tolerate the Christians and there was a, a sense of peace but christianity was under 54 roman governors from ad 30 to ad 311 12 out of those 54 roman emperors 12 out of those 54 went out of the way to persecute christians and you can read this historical events of how the church was persecuted persecution started under the hand of nero in ad 64 and then it ended with the Edict of Milan in three hundred and thirty. Now, that's just a little bit of a historical, but the church was persecuted. And Jesus said they're going to continue to do that. The church will continue to face persecution. All four gospel writers give us the account of what uh, the three gospel writers, like I just read, about what Jesus prophesied. Luke gave us that account, sorry. And we need to understand our brothers and sisters here this evening. That the church will continue to face persecution and rejection. But look at me in verse 32. Two others, Jesus said, two others, the Bible of Luke says, who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, There they crucified him. Now, I want you to pay attention to that passage here. It never said a monk. None of the gospel writers said a monk. Most people think that this is a mountain. It says the place that is called a skull. There they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments. Now, all four gospel writers give us the account of the two male factors. Every one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read the account and the latter part of Jesus' death, you will find that there were two people, two men that were crucified with him. The two criminals that were crucified, and then it's something to note that robbery was not a capital punishment. So what were these two people doing with him? Only Jesus Crime was considered a capital punishment. The other two were not supposed to be crucified with him. In fact, the cross that Jesus was hang on was meant for Barabbas. Not for Jesus. But they chose who? Jesus. But in the plan of God, it was Jesus. The Romans did this to continue to, to, to humiliate Jesus once again. For the world to see, brothers and sisters, that he was not worthy to be king. Remember they were mocking him last week? Hail king of the Jews. And they also did this so that they would insult the Jewish people for their king. Look at your king. He's no less than a common thief. That's why they placed two thieves behind him, next to him. Here is your king, Jerusalem. not worthy to be a king. He's worthy to be among the thieves. And it was an insult to the Jewish people as well as also to humiliate Jesus whatever their motives were Jesus death was no accident 700 years like i said earlier the prophet isaiah prophesied that jesus will be one numbered with the transgressors and two that he will make intercessions for the for the intercessions for the transgressors exactly what we just read there just now father forgive them Now, let us read Isaiah account in chapter 53, verse 12. Therefore, Isaiah said, I will divide him a portion with many. And he shall divide the spoil with strong. Because he poured out his soul to death. And was numbered. Numbered. 700 years ago, Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that he will be numbered with the transgressors. Hang among the thieves. Yet he bore the sin of many. And look what it says. And make intercession for transgressors. What did Jesus do? He prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for, the, for what? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Isaiah prophesied prophecy was a fulfillment in the passage of scripture that we read here tonight. Verse 33. He was numbered among the transgressors. Look at verse 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Now, a lot of people, you know, you see the word, a place called the skull. Let me just just try to educate you here a little. In some translation, if you're reading it, I think it's the King James and the New King James and some other translation, other translation, you will find the word Calvary. Now there are three meanings to this word here. Hebrew, the word for skull is galgata. That is why in some translation you will find the word Golgotha. In the Greek it is called crinium. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. And in the Latin it is called calvaria. So it's the same word skull means Calvary, it is the same word that means Golgotha. So whether you're reading it from Hebrew, Greek, or Latin, it means the same thing. In most of the, 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 the recent um, translation of the Bible, you will have the word they call the place of skull. Meaning that there were so many heads there. Some people think that the place where it was, it's shaped like a skull. And there were many, many different um, interpretations, but was never meant to be a monk. It was just a, a, the place. It was, there, none of the gospel writers say it was a monk. Now, the two criminals, one on the right and one on the left, one represents, one represents a receiver and the other a rejecter. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. It is a picture and Jesus in the middle. What you see on Calvary uh, on that day or the place of skull, one on the right rejects, one on the left Accept or whatever it is, one accept, one reject, but in the middle was the Redeemer, the innocent Lamb of God. And that picture was painted for the world to see. And there are two groups of people today, yet there are still two groups of people in the world those who will reject Him and those who will accept Him. Only those two categories, either you are a follower of Jesus or you are not. Either you are saved or you are not. Either you are born again or you are not. And where do you, where do you stand today, brothers and sisters? Where do you stand today in your, in your relationship? Or where you are in your walk or in your life? Are you a receiver or are you a rejecter of Jesus Christ? Because one day you will have to make the decision you see, the cross, brothers and sisters, is a reminder of the finished work of Christ. It is a reminder of the substitutionary sacrifice and the vicarious suffering for our sin. Romans chapter 5 said, But God, but God, show his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the second part, not only was he named or numbered among the transgressors, he, um, the second part of Isaiah prophecy will be will be fulfilled. That Jesus made intercession for the transgressors, which find it fulfillment in Luke chapter twenty three and verse twenty four. And Jesus said, "Father, forgive them," isn't that what Isaiah said that he will make intercessions for the transgressors? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots and divided. So the first word. That Jesus, words that Jesus uttered on the cross, was the prayer for forgiveness. Not forgiveness for himself, but forgiveness for his accusers and, and, and the religious leaders and the Romans and all those who were the reason why he was on the cross. Paul wrote to both the religious leaders, and the Roman governor understood that the meaning of Christ's death. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this in chapter 8. He says, None of the rulers of this age understood this. None. For if they had, Paul says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, here here what Paul says. If they understood he was who he was, they would have never crucified him. But scripture had to be fulfilled. What no eyes has seen, nor ears heard, nor, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. And later in the book of Acts, chapter 7, Stephen, not only did Jesus pray and ask for, to forgive those who did wrong against him. He prayed for forgiveness, but Stephen, the church, the early church, the first martyr in the book of Acts, Chapter 7, verse 54, here was Stephen, say, here was the, the, uh, the account that Dr. Luke give us. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, that is the religious leaders, and they ground their teeth at him, that is Stephen. And he, full of the Holy Ghost, which is Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is Stephen's testimony before he died. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and crushed together at him, and and, and rushed together at him, sorry. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid on him their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, which is later on be Paul. And as they were stoning Stephen he cried out or called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which means he died. And brothers and sisters, in a similar way, not only did Jesus ask for forgiveness, that is what the cross is all about. The cross is all about forgiveness. The cross is all about what God has done for you and for me. The cross is a reminder of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that when you and I stand today, when we give our life to Christ, brothers and sisters, that we are not standing based on our own righteousness, but we stand based on what Christ has done, His righteousness. And in a similar way as believers of Christ, In a similar way, we are called to forgive those who sin against us. Not only Jesus set the example, not only Stephen, but we today are called to forgive those who sin against us. To love our enemies, Jesus said, to do good to them who hate you and to persecute you and will say all manner of things against you. People will persecute you, brothers and sisters, for who you are in Christ. Yes, as believers in Christ, we will face persecution we will be rejected by men we will be hated we will be hated for who we are in Christ and for the gospel we preach persecution will not only come from those who hate, who hate the name of Christ but your very own will persecute you your very own will persecute you take for example when someone from a different religion converts to Christianity, in some cultures they, hate, they are hated for their life. They are hated for the decision because they, they, they are following Jesus. Some even lose their life. Some are disowned by their family. Their very own will disown them. And there is a price that you and I will have to pay to be followers of Jesus Christ. Men will hate you. Men will persecute you. Men will say all manner of things against you. For the name of Christ. The crucifixion of Jesus is a reminder to us today, brothers and sisters, as believers of Christ, that we will triumph. We will triumph over not only sin and death, But we will triumph over those who hate us. We will triumph those who persecute us. The church will continue to triumph in the ages to come. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if you are facing persecution today, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Rejoice. Because your labor is not in vain Jesus overcome and so you will overcome. Jesus triumph and so you will triumph. And hear what the Apostle Paul says in closing. What then shall we say to these things? Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as we close. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who, turn to somebody today and says, who can be against us? Who can be against you? Who can be against the decision you make to follow Jesus? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but give him up for us all. How will he not also with him who graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who can bring anything against the children of God, Paul says? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, Paul says, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is making intercession for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Brothers and sisters, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. None of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. And if you're facing persecution today, don't give up. Because Jesus has triumphed and you will live victoriously over those things. For your sake, here Paul says, we are being killed all day long. For Christ's sake, We are guarded as sheep to be slaughtered, yes. No, Paul says, in all these things, brothers and sisters, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, Paul says, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is the reason why Jesus Christ died, brothers and sisters, to set you and me free. And the cross is a reminder to you and me tonight so that we can live victoriously no matter what you are going through. And it is important for us to know that the rulers were the ones who sneered at him. They were the ones who wanted to destroy him and his people stood watching. And the people were horrified and saddened by what they saw. And the gospel writer gives us that and they ridicule and they mock him. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus never went to the cross to save himself. He went to the cross for each and every one of us. Because we are all guilty before a holy God. And it is Christ who died for us to set us free. No one else. 700 years ago, Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgression. And bruised for our iniquity. And verse 6 says, And the Lord, the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that is the reason why he went to the cross, for you and for me. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word again to remind us of the cross. Oh, it's the cross that will never, never lose its power. For it reaches, the songwriter says, for it reaches to the lowest valley. And it flows, oh God. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, that each and every one of us that come to know you are forgiven, are made right with a holy God, we are justified because salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. Lord, not nothing nor anything that we bring to satisfy, but it's all because of what you have done. And so today, God, again, we surrender our lives to you. And God, we ask that you will continue to lead us by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for those that are listening. God, that you continue to speak to them. And for those that don't know you, Father, I pray that they will come to know you. Whom to know is life eternal. In Jesus' name, amen.